Hello, and welcome to Create You, the personal growth and development podcast that will help you break through to better results in your life, work, and relationships. I'm your host, Jeremy Flagg, and thank you for joining me. Have you ever felt like you've got something burning in your heart to do, but then when you set out to make it happen, you're met with so much opposition that you're not sure anymore if it's the right path to take? Well, in today's Ask the Coach episode, I'm joined by my very good friend, pastor and coach Henry Ballard, and we'll be discussing why getting started is the hardest part, how we get in our own way on our path to fulfillment, why resistance is necessary if we want to be our best, and how to hold appreciation for those who've helped you without maintaining an allegiance to them. So if you've ever struggled with feeling frustrated on your journey to fulfilling your dream and leading a life worthy of your calling, then listen as we answer Shelly's question and talk about what to do when opposition arises. All right, welcome back, creators. Hey, today in Create You, I am joined by a very special guest who will be helping me answer your most burning questions about how to achieve breakthrough results in your life, work, and relationships. His name is Henry Ballard, and he is the founding pastor of Christian Fellowship Family Worship Center in Violet, Louisiana, just outside of New Orleans, where he leads 500-plus congregants every single week in the practice of spiritual growth. He is also a certified growth and leadership coach, and that is where I met him. We were peer partners as we both got certified to be coaches, and he's been my close friend ever since. Uh, been my personal development partner for over seven years, and I'm really proud and excited to welcome to the show my brother from another mother, Pastor Henry Ballard. Henry, welcome Hello, to the Jeremy. show. Hey, man. Thanks. It's great to be here. I'm excited about being on the show with you. Um, I know your passion for adding value to people and just helping people create the life that they really deserve. And so I'm excited to be a part of this today. Awesome. Well, hey, man, listen, I brought you on the show today to talk about a question that one of our listeners wrote that I thought you'd be a perfect fit to address. So the question we're going to be answering today comes from listener Shelly, who wrote in, I have a question. I have felt for years that God has a plan for me. But when I've tried to do it, I've had much opposition and I get frustrated. She goes on to say, I have done what was right and always showed respect to the pastor. I've always been told that when God has a plan for you to do something, he will open doors. Since no doors were opened, I assumed it was just me. Then I get that feeling in my spirit. I don't know what to think. Can you give me some advice? So, Henry... Let's give her some advice. All right, all right. Well, this is a great question. I think it's a question that so many people wrestle with, um, particularly those who are in the church setting. And as you said in the intro, um, that's really my context. You know, pastoring a church, founding a church, and been doing it now for all of these years. Mm -hmm. uh, I do come across people who are looking for uh, God's plan for their lives and um, going through the challenges with discovering what that is. And so it's not an uncommon question. Um, one of the things that I guess I'll start with, and then you can chime in and we'll see what direction we go. Yeah. Um, but first, you know, to feel that God has a plan for your life, I mean, is appropriate. The scriptures tell us that, 
Um, he definitely has a plan for us. He gives us direction um, in terms of where we ought to go and, and how we ought to do it. I think sometimes we could get um, to the place where we're looking for the, the micro as yeah. opposed to focusing in on the macro. You know, we want every minute detail of what we ought to be doing in any and every situation. And sometimes what God is doing, God is actually just pointing us in a direction. And as he points in that direction, now it's, it's up to us to now start walking in that direction. And I discovered that he gives you more along the way than he does before you start. (laughs) <laughs> so right. once you once you get started and start stepping, then he begins to crystallize that and show you more clearly actually what what your destiny or what that plan is. That's a great point, man. Uh, and starting is an art. I mean, and it's a skill that you have to develop. It's not something that just comes naturally to everyone. I mean, starting. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the most of that's most of the risk is the beginning. You know, if uh, if you feel that your heart is telling you to do something and it's in opposition to your normal, everyday, comfortable routine, then starting it is going to be the most difficult part. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. Absolutely. And uh, like you said, I love what you said about the micro and the macro. We've already talked on the show. Uh, I had Coach Sue Thomas on uh, back a few episodes, and we talked about finding your life's passion. And it's a similar question. I mean, there's this idea that there's this you know universal call or mission or assignment that we're that we're trying to you know understand and do with our lives and leave a mark here while we're here and. You know, there's this uh, feeling that a lot of people get stuck in or a belief that they get stuck in that it has to, we have to know every single little thing before we get started. And that's really just not how any of this works, including mm-hmm. what we learned from, you know, the wisdom of the Bible and all the stories that have been given to us for us to learn from. Uh, and maybe you could talk to that. Who's who's a great? What's a great story in the Bible that would illustrate that starting is the first part, and you have to make a move before God starts meeting you? And because uh, because one of the things that she brought up here was about open doors, you know, and about how when God has something, she she supposes that when God tells you or asks you or gives you a desire in your heart to do something, then there's going to be all green lights and lots of open doors. So why don't you address that by talking about maybe a story that can help her from the scriptures to appeal to what we already know she uh, she looks to for wisdom? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can talk, you know, historical and contemporary in terms of just Uh, the challenges and the opposition, and it's just not the way that it works, as you alluded to. But um, um, biblically, when you look at the Bible, the one person that readily comes to mind is just Abraham. Um, He was called by God to do a particular thing based upon God's plan for his life and plan for uh, a nation and his people in Genesis chapter 12. Mm -hmm. And he actually told him, uh, I want you to go from your country Go from your kindred, get a kindred, get out of your father's house into a land that I will show you. Yeah. And he says, I'll make your name great and I'll bless you, bless those that bless you. But the interesting thing about that particular story to me in verse number four of Genesis 12, it actually says, and Abram went. 
as the Lord had told him. Exactly. And and that's interesting to me because God said, okay, I want you to go. He didn't provide details. He didn't give a, you know, detailed roadmap, but it says Abram heard God's voice and he started out on the journey. And there we are, right? And then, of course, we know where that journey goes. Hey, for some of my listeners who are uh, wondering, you know, what that story is about or how it goes, let's give you some context. Um, You know, at this point in the story, Henry, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, you know, Abram, he wasn't Abraham yet, right? Right, Abram uh, was around 75, I think. Isn't that about Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, so, hey, you're never too old to start something new. Right, we can learn that from this story, and right. uh, so he had been well entrenched in his way of being, and his he was very comfortable in what he was already doing, and God is 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 asking him, or you know that voice is asking him from within to make a move, and to do right. something completely different, and to get out of his comfort zone, get out of. I mean, it's even supposed in the in that story, you know, get out of everything you know. Everything that makes you comfortable, everything that you're comfortable with, and go do something new that I'm asking you to do. And I'm not going to give you a plan. I'm not going to give you a roadmap. I'm not going to give you any guarantees. All I'm going to guarantee you is that I'll be with you. That's it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think what you hit on is so key, and I think it ties right back into the question relative to opposition. You know, you mentioned um, getting out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I've kind of process these events in my own life. And when I talked about the historical as well as the contemporary example, I know that every, what I consider major or pivotal move in my life, it came with opposition and I had to overcome. I had to um, press beyond the opposition that was there. Uh, I recently uh, began, and I actually taught this to our church, this whole issue of life change or getting to um, that place that you are adding value, experiencing fulfillment, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But it has to start with pressing beyond the comfort zone. And here's what I believe we often miss. If you think about it in terms of a progression on uh, visually on the left, let's say that's your comfort zone on the right is the life change or that place of purpose or destiny, what have you. But in the middle is that discomfort zone or that uncomfortable zone. So in order to get to the right end where there's purpose, there's fulfillment, there's adding value and destiny and all of that, you got to move from comfort through the discomfort, through the uncomfortable period, through the opposition to get to that place. We, we can't, you know, we can't be teleported over there. It's not leaps and bounds. It's we got to walk it through. Yeah. And this actually reminds me of a book I read by a man named Stephen Pressfield that I would wholeheartedly recommend to my audience called The War of Art. And it was written, he's a writer, and it was written to creative uh, people. And since we're all creators, then we'll all gain something from it. Uh, but he talks about a concept throughout the book that he calls resistance. And he mm-hmm. supposes, gives it a capital R, and he supposes in the book that it's that negative force that arises whenever we try to move from a lower level to a higher mm-hmm. level. So whenever we're trying yeah. to move from one place to another, it's that force that presents itself 
in our uh, space that gets in our way mentally um, and otherwise. And and I'll give you an example of what he talks about. He says, uh, you know, you're going to experience resistance when you're trying to launch any new entrepreneurial venture or an enterprise, for-profit, non-profit, or otherwise, right? Anything like that's going to experience resistance. Any diet that you try to start, right? Any nutritional Uh regimen, we all know that. That's going to experience resistance. Any program of spiritual advancement, right? I mean, how many people do you know uh, come to your church uh, because they want to grow, and then when things get difficult, they just go, ah, they just drop off, right? Right. Uh, right. Any any activity, uh, he jokes, any activity whose aim is tighter abdominals, right? Exercise programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, anything designed to overcome a habit is going to meet resistance, right? Education right. of all kinds has resistance built into the process. I mean, basically, any act that entails a commitment of your heart, a decision that needs to be made, like getting married, having children, Right, weathering a rocky patch in a relationship. Anything that requires your heart's deepest commitment is going to experience resistance. Right? Right. Right. What is the uh you know, I know that I know the biblical terms, but let's have a little conversation about resistance. It shows up all throughout the wisdom of scripture, right? What does Scripture call that resistance in us? It has different names uh, from different authors all throughout the letters and uh, you know the Scriptures all throughout the, the Bible. So what are some of the names that resistance goes by in the Scriptures, Henry? Yeah, I mean, when I think about it, I think of uh, one that readily comes to mind is obviously opposition, the trials, if you will, the mm-hmm. trials of life. Um, it's amazing that we're actually having this conversation today um, on this past weekend in our church community, I actually uh, have been teaching through the book of First Peter, and we're nearing the end. We're in chapter 4, but it is a book about, um, on one hand, he highlights suffering, but the way that I frame it for our people is this, that when we're going through life, we're going to experience pain, yes, pressures, and persecution. Mm. But but the important thing is that uh, not that we just go through it, but that we grow through it. And one of the things, Jeremy, that I highlighted on this past weekend was our perspective is so important. Yeah. You know, you've heard, you know, in many different ways, it's not just what happens to you, it's how you respond to it. And what Absolutely. I tried to impress upon the people was to now let's start viewing our lives through God's lens, because God may not be looking at our lives the way that we're looking at our lives. Mm, you definitely. know, it's hard. It's hard to see. It's hard to see the frame when you're in the picture. So we have one. to kind of yeah. step step out of it and get a look. And in just one verse that I actually was teaching from verses twelve through nineteen of first Peter four, but that first verse really sets up this whole idea of perspective. And it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trials which has come to test you as though something strange has happened to you. So that one verse alone lets me know that trials, opposition, pressure, all of those things are built into the journey. 
Yes, they are. And I actually want to highlight this uh, for Shelly as well, um, mm-hmm. because I wrote down a few things about this as well. And, you know, being a former pastor, I know an awful lot about the Bible myself, and I try mm-hmm. to relate it to my audience in different ways. But, uh, you know, we talked about all this resistance, and, and it has all sorts of names, Um uh, in scripture, you know, I mean, Paul calls it the flesh. That's a form of resistance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some mm-hmm. spiritual teachers call it the ego. Um, throughout mm-hmm. scriptures, it may be called the devil as well. Yeah. Right. There's all kinds of things going on that are adversarial. But I want to change, we, let's shift perspective. We talked about perspective being very important here, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what if the world were wired this way and we were in this environment and the way that it's been wired for us and designed for us because without resistance and without an adversary or opposition of some sort, we just simply wouldn't ever get the best out of us. What if that were true? Right? Yeah. Because, I mean, think about sports. I mean, I've played sports my whole life. Uh, You know, when... When I'm playing against someone who is beneath my level, at my skill level, I don't get better, mm-hmm. and I get bored, right? Right. But when I play someone who's better than me, who challenges me to come up to another level, then I get better, and I find out that I can do more than I thought was possible. So if I don't have opposition in my life, I will never get the best out of myself, and I don't have to look too far in scripture to find a, a great example of this um, from the Christ himself, from Jesus. Yes. Jesus was, and this is such a curious passage, always has been for me, uh, and one that I've contemplated for many, many years and taught about, is Jesus is led by the Spirit into mm-hmm. the wilderness for 40 days. Right. For 40 days of what? For 40 days of opposition, <laughs> 40 days yes. of resistance, right? 40 yes. days of mind games uh, from the ego, you know, and, and 40 days of testing, if you will, to get him yes. beyond that part of himself to separate clearly what he was called to do and what might try to resist him when he got down to those final moments. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that's powerful. I mean, you know, because for those who are familiar with Scripture and Jesus' mission and coming here and the ultimate end of, obviously, him going to Calvary, you know, but he came. He came um, through, you know, through birth, uh, grew, developed, learned. Um, I think in Hebrews it talks about he learned obedience through the things that he suffered, the things that he went through. Um, but but if you look at that, you might say, okay, if Calvary was, just to use the term, the goal, um, then when he came, why was all this other stuff necessary? God knew that Calvary was the goal. Let's just get him, get him there. Yeah. But no, he went through all of these stages. He went through these processes. He went through the wilderness situation. And it's it's no different than the children of Israel when they were coming out of Egypt, coming out of bondage. And mm-hmm. what's interesting to me is that God did not take them the shortest route. He didn't take them the shortest route, but they had to go 
in essence, the long way around through the wilderness. It actually says in Deuteronomy 8 that God led them through the wilderness for 40 years, testing them to find out how they would respond and if they would obey him. Yes. So could it be that when we are experiencing what we would call delays, that we need to view it from the perspective that delays are there for a number of reasons. They're there to test us, as I just referenced. They're there to prepare us. They're there to train us. And if I can go churchy on us, you know, we've heard it said over and again, um, God's delays are not God's denials, Yes, you know? So just because I'm experiencing a delay, it doesn't mean that his plan has been denied or I need to now... Here's a great example, Jeremy. I was driving to a meeting the other day and tried to leave early, get there, ran into traffic. And I'm thinking, oh my, must be an accident because traffic was backing up. And then I quickly realized that it wasn't an accident, but they were doing construction. And they attempted to help us and put our minds, if you will, at ease because they had a sign posted. And the sign posted said, expect delays. Now, <laughs> that, that did this for me. That let me know that, number one, I don't have to get off this road. It may be a little slow. It may be a little congested. I might not be moving as fast as I thought I should be moving. But if I stay on this road, I'm going to get to where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I just have to understand that right about now, there's some delays, and maybe that's where some of our listeners are. Things are slow for them. They're kind of chugging along. Um, they're in a delay, if you will, but that delay is not a denial. You don't have to come up with a new plan. You don't have to try to find an alternate route. You just have to stay the course, knowing that where you're headed, that's where you're supposed to be going. Yes, I enjoy that. And you know, one thing I wanted to highlight in what you were talking about is how you know, maybe some of our listeners are not, you know, Christians or they don't come from this background and maybe they're uh, you know, misunderstanding some of this Bible stuff or maybe they have a tainted view of the Bible and they've had bad experiences. Uh that that exists too. But what I want to talk about is that universalism of the story itself. When you brought up Israel, and how it echoes what Jesus was going through, and we bring up the 40 days, and we think, talk, talk about stuff like this. The reason why the Bible has endured all these years, and the reason why the, the Tao uh, Te Ching exists in, in China, and the reason why the Vedas exists in you know, India, why, why these books last forever, is because they're echoing a much larger story. And all the great stories that we love are stories of transformation. They're stories that, t- that, that, that find a character that's enslaved to something that then becomes free. And that is really our story, and that's why it endures, because it's the story of humanity. We may get you know, born into a place, and that's not where we want to end up. So all great mm-hmm. stories are stories of transformation that give us an opportunity to see where we might be in the story. Now, there was a guy named Joseph Campbell who studied mythology and uh, and how he called it the hero's journey. He formulated the hero's journey. And the beginning of the hero's journey, which, by the way, is, is most of the movies that we love, right? Um, mm-hmm. The beginning of the hero's journey involves an inciting event. 
an event that incites you to action, an event that pushes you into a place of change and discomfort that you weren't necessarily prepared for, but that was necessary for you to get going on the journey. You hear the call, something happens, and you move forward, you know? So there's right. this part of the story that Shelly's stuck in. She's still at the beginning. And what she has to mm-hmm. allow herself to do is accept the invitation to come up higher and realize that delays and resistance are all part of the transformation. But we can't have the reward without first saying yes to that first step. And that is what we are, you know, I think that's what we're both pointing at right now. So I, I just want to point out one last thing before we wrap up this discussion even though we don't have Shelly with us we're having to suppose an awful lot about Shelly's right. situation because of what we were given um, but I also want to point out that in her paragraph so let's get to the coaching part of this right in mm-hmm. her paragraph she showed us through sentences she revealed to us some of what her beliefs are about the situation that she's in. And so let me give you a brief synopsis of how I view beliefs as a coach and how um, Henry been trained as well. You know, we have global universal beliefs about things that influence everything we think about. So uh, we have beliefs about time. We have beliefs about uh, relationships. We have beliefs about love and uh, about life and what it means. You know, big, overarching, purposeful beliefs. Then we have values things that are uh, you know different and unique for each of us, things that we hold dear and have uh, you know help us understand priority in our lives and the things that are most important to us. We also have identity, you know things we believe about ourselves to be true about us. They usually start with I am statements. so mm-hmm. be careful what comes after I am is the old uh, the old saying. Right. And then one of the other types of beliefs that we hold are rules. And rules are really interesting because Rules can be our greatest source of pleasure or our greatest source of pain, depending on what they are. And rules are always shaped in if-then types of statements. And so buried in uh, her question is an if-then, or actually there's two if-then statements that I identified. One was, if I do what's right and I show respect to the pastor then I won't be frustrated because my life will be rewarded, Mm -hmm. right? So there was one. And the other one was, if God really wants me to do that thing that's in my heart to do, then there will be all open doors and I will experience no resistance, right? So we've spent a pretty good amount of time on the second one and how that rule will just hold her back from moving forward at all and stepping into the life that she could create for herself and the life that's really waiting on her to to step up to and 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 the world around her is waiting for her to come alive in that in that you know role but let's talk about the other one if i do what's right show respect to the pastor then i'll be rewarded so pastor ballard <laughs> tell, tell yes. me what you think about that rule Oh man, that that rule it's probably a rule that I know I had, you know, early on uh, in my Christian journey. But then I, you know, quickly realized that that rule just didn't work, you know, because here's why. When when I hear the question and even think about my own life, 
yeah, I, I desire to respect the pastor and live to in that fashion, but that pastor, that church, that leadership, they have a mission and agenda. They have a plan and a direction that they're going. Okay. And in respecting that, you're trying not to, um, you know, come against it, buck against it in all of that. And that's good. But we have to realize that when it comes to showing respect, that still does not mean that what God is saying to you ultimately will function in that particular context. Now, again, as you said, we're making certain assumptions and just kind of speculating on some things, but whatever that plan is that God may have shown uh, us about our lives, about our relationship with him, it may not fit into the current context that we're in. And so, yes, the the respect for the pastor is there. Scriptures tell us to honor those who are you know, who lead us, who are above us. So you, you, we definitely want to do that. But me respecting the pastor doesn't necessarily mean that that's ultimately where God's going to have me. And, and let me just give you a quick example, Jeremy. Yeah, please. Um, I get people who come to me regularly um, from other ministries, other churches, just to sit down and talk. And more often than not, uh, it is about their... Um, issues that they're experiencing at the other ministry or the other church um, with what they want to do or what they believe that God is calling them to do. And it's just not fitting into that particular context. And they come to talk to me about leaving. And, and one of the first things I say to them, I say, listen, if you're contemplating leaving this particular church, or if that is even an option, it has to be more about what God is doing in you than what they are doing over there. Okay? Wow, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not about what they are doing over there, what they won't allow you to do. You can't make that be your reason for leaving or, or, or whatever your direction is going to be. It has to be your conviction about here's what God is saying to me, here's what's happening with me based upon his call, his plan, as we've been talking about, for my life. And so I've had people to come, and in one particular instance, it was a female who was in ministry, and um, the particular church that she was in didn't embrace that. And I basically said, you know, one or two things are going to happen. Either one, you're going to stay and suppress what you know God is speaking to you and what you believe he's calling you to, whatever that will materialize into or become, or you're going to step out and you're going to follow God. And once I presented that and didn't give her, you know, as we know in coaching, I'm not telling you what to do, but at the end of the day, I want you to weigh your options and know that, okay, here's what's before you. And she made the decision, and ultimately she wound up leaving, but she had to come to that place of knowing that it's not about just being here. It's about following and being connected to my purpose relative to what God is saying to me. Yeah, and that's a beautiful answer, my friend, because it's a very mature one, uh, one that I'm sure— uh, I hope Shelly appreciates and our audience appreciates. Uh, you know, many 
I've coming from the church world. I mean, many pastors are not that present and not that mature. Mm -hmm. They really want to just kind of keep you around. And sometimes Mm -hmm. in life in general, we have trouble knowing when to say goodbye. Right. And sometimes it's our heart. We just, we have to honor what's going on on our journey in the context of the larger journey. Sometimes to go back to her word, the best way to respect your community and the pastor is to say goodbye because you're no longer in alignment with what they're doing and to just be an oppositional force to them because you feel differently isn't going to help them do anything well or achieve anything that they want to achieve. So I love your answer and uh, we are supposing an awful lot here, Shelly, about your situation, but uh, you know, I hope that that speaks to you or anyone listening. You know, you must honor your dream and honor your journey. And if God does call you to another place or you feel the curiosity to move and expand and do something different, then it's okay. No one's yeah, going to hold yeah. it against you. And if they do, well, J- Jeremy, you don't have time for it. Let me, let me just throw this in before we move and, and, sure. and go and wrap up or whatever direction we're going next. Here's... Here's what I want to offer, Shelley, and here's what I want to offer all of the listeners, because it's something that I had to come to grips with, grips with myself. I had to differentiate between appreciation for and allegiance to. Mm. Okay. Um, Bible story, Moses. Moses, for those who may or may not know, um, yeah, he was, you know, birthed and his parents, they were under Egyptian rule and all of that. And so they had gave the edict about killing all the, the male kids. His mother placed him in the river in a basket, if you will, going down the river. At the same time, Pharaoh's daughter was bathing. Pharaoh's daughter saw him and drew him out of the river. She actually saved him, if you will. Mm-hmm. And she took him as her own son, raised him in um, Egyptian culture and Pharaoh's house and all of that. So when Moses got older, according to the Hebrew writings, when Moses got older, Moses made a decision. And his decision was he would rather suffer with the people of God, God's people, his original, you know, his, his heritage and that, mm-hmm. as opposed to be as opposed to being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, I bring that up and use that for this appreciation allegiance issue mm-hmm. because Pharaoh's daughter rescued Moses. Pharaoh's daughter saved Moses. And no doubt when someone has meant that much to you and has played that significant role in your life, a lot, what comes with that is this deep level of appreciation that I'm yeah. appreciative for what you've done, where you've brought me, how you have enlightened me, all of that good stuff. The appreciation is there. But then Moses understood that I can appreciate you, but I don't have to maintain an allegiance to you. Mm. And sometimes we stay in places because we focus more on the appreciation and maybe even think that if we walk away, that may be a sign that I'm not appreciative, but that's something that we have to resolve in our own minds and our own hearts to say, I appreciate what you've done, 
but my allegiance is not to you. My allegiance is to God and his plan for my life. Wow. That's good stuff. I think that'll preach, my friend. <laughs> I may do it one Sunday. I may do it. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's all good. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate you giving us your time here on the show. I know that Shelly appreciates it. And, uh, you know, man, your insight was really great. And I think you were just a perfect fit for this question. So thank you for joining mm-hmm. me. Hey, uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of you and what you do, why don't you tell us how we can find you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually have a website. You can go to it. It's hballardjr, that's J-R, dot com, hballardjr.com. You can find out um, more about me. There are other links there as far as Facebook and Twitter and all of that good stuff. Um, but, but, you know, if you want to know any one thing about me, I am a seeker and a searcher for truth. You know, Jeremy, you talked about the fact that uh, people might not be coming from a church context, might not be coming from a Christian context, or even have embraced the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reality is, and I know you uh, ascribe to this thought also, that we are looking to, to, to embrace truth wherever we find it. Yeah. Wherever we find it. And so if it's coming from the uh, ancient writings of Scripture, great. If it's coming from another source, great, because truth is truth, and it will stand on its own. Yes. Amen to that, I will say. And uh, also, I just want to let my audience know that uh, my friend Henry here has a book that's going to be releasing very soon. I just wanted to key them in to uh, the fact that you're going to have something releasing. One of his... uh, uh, areas of expertise is relationships. He has a fascinating story of his own about a blended family, uh, and and you know divorce and recovery and all sorts of awesome things that he's been through that he's just itching to share. And he's going to be writing a book about that very soon. So tell us a little bit about your book and when it might be coming out. Yeah, thanks so much. I am uh, hopeful that it's going to drop. It's been what I think is probably ten to fifteen or plus years in the making, because you know, in our books, it's really our lives. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to that coming out the beginning of next year, um, being available in the month of February. Uh, the title of the book is Starting Over When You Didn't Start Right. I love that title. And Yeah. And, you know, that's my life. Um, as you said, blended family, um, got married, thought I knew what I was doing, but I really quickly realized I didn't. And I got to a place where it got really bad and I had to make a decision. And the decision was that I wanted my family. I wanted my wife. I wanted all of that. Notwithstanding how I, you know, messed it up, all of that will be in the book. Mm -hmm. But I got to the place of saying, is it really possible to start over when you didn't start right? And I'm a living, walking, breathing you know, testament to that. My wife is my best friend. We have an awesome family, you know, but that's not where we were. I, I'll use in the analogy in the book of, you know, in people in the hospital, whenever you hear someone has coded, um, you know, they may be in the emergency room, they've coded, they're coming in with the crash cart. Well, my relationship coded about three times, but <laughs> I'm grateful that, um, you know, we did the work, and, and it's a testament to my wife. And I actually said to her recently, Jeremy, I actually thanked her 
um, I actually thanked her. And, and, and let me just plug the, the, the subtitle of the book of what really it's sure. after. It's about start, starting over when you didn't start right. And the whole concept is focusing on how love functions and not just feels. Because a lot of times, even when we start a relationship, there's a lot of feelings involved. And, but, but it's really about how is love supposed to function? as opposed to just feeling. And that's where I had to begin to start over when I know I didn't start right. I had to learn really what love was and how love functioned. And I said this to my wife um, not many days ago. I actually thanked her. And I thanked her for just giving me the opportunity to get this right. Because trust me, she could have written a brother off a long time ago. Couldn't <laughs> <laughs> uh, they to all? The curb and yeah. you know, um, but but she did. She she stuck with me, and I just thanked her for giving me the opportunity to to really get this right. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think uh, I I can't wait to have you back on the show to talk about your book mm-hmm. for sure. For mm-hmm. we'll definitely do that. But man, I tell you, your 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 breadth and depth of wisdom and knowledge and helping people move to the next level has been invaluable on the show here today. And I will not hesitate to uh, to dip into that well again if I need to. So thanks for coming on, my friend, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, sir. Anytime. And to your listening audience, you heard it from the beginning. He said that we are brothers from another mother. We still haven't gotten the DNA test, but this is a guy (laughs) that I thank God for because he keeps me moving forward, even when I don't think I can. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you, my friend. Talk to you soon. All right, bye. Thanks for listening. For more tips about how to create the life, work, and relationship you love, just head over to jeremyflag.com where you'll find lots of free resources and notes from this episode. While you're there, be sure to take action in the comments section and share your stories of how this podcast is helping you. I'd really appreciate it. For more information about my guest, Pastor Henry Ballard, just head over to hballardjr.com where you can learn all about him. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review for me in the iTunes store. If you're listening on Apple's podcast app, just click anywhere on the show artwork to reveal the show notes and click the link that says, please rate and review the show in iTunes. Your feedback is appreciated. If you'd like to continue the conversation, then please like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter and be sure to use the hashtag create you. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for joining me today on create you. And be sure to check in with me next time when I'll be talking about three ways to increase your awareness and help you become more awake and conscious every single day. You definitely don't want to miss it, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and you'll never miss an episode. Hey, until next time, this has been Jeremy Flagg, reminding you that you are a creator. You don't need to react to life as it happens to you because you have the power within you to create the life you love today. Now go and create you.